You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show, now available on the Emoja app. I'm your host, Fatima Al Sayed, and on this weekly talk show, we usually invite experts to take us through their journeys as professionals in their fields. If you have any questions for our panelists, make sure to leave them in the comment section, and we'll get to them during the show. On today's show, we welcome Dr. Farouk Bindali. Dr. Bindali is a senior medical science liaison supporting both cardiovascular and metabolism research and education. He's also the co-founder of Taqwa Media, which is an Islamic publishing and distribution company focusing on creating access to high-quality Islamic education products. In search of a balanced life, the mind, body, and soul approach, Dr. Bandali explores holistic living, and we're excited to hear from him exactly how on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Taqwa Media. Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Bandali. How are you? Sorry, I think you cut out. Assalamualaikum, how are you? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Very well, thank you. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Um, we're excited to hear about your philosophy and how to reach success. It's, it's an honor and privilege to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course, it's our pleasure. So before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up? Sure, yeah. Um, I grew up in Nairobi, Kenya. Mm -hmm. um, and... and uh, so I, I spent most of my high school years in Kenya, um, and then I, I and then I went. I came to school um, here in the U.S. Uh, specifically, I was in Texas. Interesting. Um, and when you were growing up, did you always know what you wanted to do? That you wanted to get into the field of pharmacy? You know, it's it's a very uh, interesting question. You know, um, so the answer is no. Um, uh, my father um, is an entrepreneur. And um, so when I was like 13 or 14, he ventured into the pharmaceutical business. Um, and so growing up, um, one of the things he had suggested to me is saying that in, in Kenya, the, uh, the role of healthcare and specifically medications, um, very, very expensive, they're imported. Um, and so you may want to consider, um, you know, getting a degree in pharmacy such that you can come back and you can set up. Uh, a pharmaceutical company, a manufacturing company, so that you can produce uh, high quality medications mm -hmm. to make it available at a, at, a, at a relatively cheap price for the people living in Kenya. Mm -hmm. um, and did that inspire you to continue within this role? Um, what 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 led to your move to the states to study? Yeah, so so um, uh, so the idea was for me to come to the U.S. here and, mm -hmm. and, and get a degree in pharmacy, get an MBA, and mm -hmm. then go back. Um, but during the sort of my third year at the University of Texas at Austin, um, you know, things started changing drastically in Kenya. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, the political situation, the economic situation um, was, was one of the things that uh, presented several challenges. And at the same mm -hmm. time, whilst I was in the College of Pharmacy, um, as, a, as a pharmacy student, I began falling in love with patient care uh, mm -hmm. and, and, the, and the clinical aspects of things. And so I, I contacted my father. We were having conversations and I said to him, you know, given what the dynamics in Kenya and sort of my love for, you know, the, the, the patient care aspects, I think I'm going to go down this road. Um, and so collectively we made that decision that really made sense uh, for me to sort of pursue a degree as, as, in, in, as a doctor of pharmacy. So through your experience um, within the pharmacy field, you've been in almost every single part of this industry that 
from what I've heard from you. So can you tell us a little bit about the main, um, uh, you know, areas of the industry and what you've had experience in? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, um, so after I graduated um, for two years, I worked at uh, at, a, at a community setting, specifically at a CVS pharmacy, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, thereafter, I sort of worked two years at a hospital setting where I was a, a clinical uh, uh, and a staff pharmacist helping uh, sort of helping dispense medication l- okay. largely. And then I did I, then I pursued two years of residency training. Um, uh, the first year was in a, a general residency program, just like how doctors go and do residency programs. And the second year, I, I specialized in what's called critical care medicine or critical care pharmacy, um, learning how to care for uh, patients who are in the ICU who tend to be the sickest of the sick patients. Okay. Um, and thereafter, for nine years, I was, you know, I was a clinical, I was a, I had a dual role. I was a faculty member. At, at the College of Pharmacy at, at Rutgers, um, and I was a, an ICU practitioner. Mm-hmm. And, and now, I, I over the last five years, I've transitioned over and I work at, in the pharmaceutical industry in research and education. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of the the, the quick synopsis journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and um, so in our conversation, we were talking about the different aspects of pharmacy, and then I was telling you how, in, in, my, in my opinion you know, based on everything that we know, there's upwards of 70 different kinds of disciplines in the field of pharmacy. We traditionally think of pharmacists as those that work in the community setting or the independent setting, like a CVS or an independent mm-hmm. pharmacy. But, you know, over the last 40, 45 years or so, even 50 years, there has been sort of a paradigm shift towards patient care and very very much of a collaborative effort between the physician, the pharmacist, and, and, and the nurse. Um, and, and so that's another aspect of, of pharmacy that, that, that currently exists. And, and then the other is, you know, being, being a, one can be a, an academician and work mm-hmm. in the College of Pharmacy. And in, in addition, you know, being able to work in the pharmaceutical industry, um, you know, in, in, the, in, their, in the medical affairs, you know, both from a research standpoint, as well as from, you know, sort of having educational conversations mm-hmm. with, uh, with experts in the field. Something that um, piqued my interest is when you mentioned uh, the work in the ICU. So what's the role of the pharmacist in an ICU? Yeah, um, so uh, it's a very collaborative role with the physician and the nurse. So imagine you've got patients who are extremely sick and and they need a multidisciplinary approach. And so the physician... um, in the ICU, their role is to assess the patient uh, head to toe mm-hmm. and, and, and be able to understand what is the medical issue that's going on, what's the surgical issue going on. Um, whereas the, the role of the pharmacist is also similar to be able to assess the patient, but they're assessing from a pharmaceutical perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and similarly, the nurse is, uh, is assessing the patient from a nursing aspect. And there's, you've got physical therapists and, and, and so on and so forth. And so yeah, pharmacists that work in the ICU, um, you know, generally they will go to the hospital very early in the morning um, and, you know, evaluate the patient and then meet up with the, with the physician, physician team and the nurses 
and have conversations, medical conversations about what is going on with the patient and is there things that on that particular day we can improve, give better, you know, provide uh, better therapies or different mm -hmm. therapies or changes that have happened. And so it's really a, a, a decision-making approach which that, that happens very, very collaboratively. Mm -hmm. And it depends from patient to patient, um, it's specific, correct? It, it really is individualized mm -hmm. um, because, and, and when assessing that patient, you have to assess it uh, on each individual level and make sure um, that that personalized therapy is provided. So since then, you've moved into your role at Johnson & Johnson, um, and that's a medical research role. Um, can you tell us uh, about the research aspect? Sure. So in the pharmaceutical industry, um, scientists like myself um, w w are part of a division called medical affairs. Mm -hmm. um, and and in, the, in the pharmaceutical industry, there are commercial aspects and then specifically there are research aspects as well. So I'm in the medical affairs, as, uh, medical affairs uh, section. Um, and the, our role here um, is to work with the experts in the field um, and understand the, the sort of the research needs uh, for a given area. So I work in cardiovascular and I, and I support uh, what's what's called thrombosis or, or the ability for clots to form in the body, whether they form in the lungs or in the brain. Um, or if you have cancer, for example, you're at risk for having clots. So uh, and, and so the therapies that, that, that we have, um, you want to see, can it help in this regard? And so can, can we study? And so um, one of the roles as medical science liaisons is to liaise with the experts in the field from a research standpoint, seeing do they have ability to have uh, a research infrastructure at their institution? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and then, you know, what's the science behind it? And, and, and are they able to, do they have the right patients to be able to study? So that's sort of one aspect um, of, of the role of a medical science liaison. And it really requires, a, 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 you know, in general, a D degree, an MD, a PharmD, a PhD mm -hmm. degree. Uh, and then and then having the clinical knowledge and then being able to have these conversations, um, you know, f f to help promote uh, scientific research. Um, so that's one aspect. And the other aspect is what's called scientific exchange. Uh, another word for it is just education. So having these meaningful conversations with the experts in the field, whether they're physicians, pharmacists, nurses, it doesn't matter. And sort of understanding what are their challenges and, and how can our therapies help them to better care for patients. Mm -hmm. Are you also um, a professor um, teaching students? So so uh, the, the career trajectory that I had was after mm -hmm. I finished my two years of residency. Um, I was, for nine years, I was a professor at the, at the College of Pharmacy. Okay. Um, and I was, a, I was an ICU practitioner. Mm -hmm. so five years ago, I transitioned fully to, to the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, working in the medical affairs, so I, I don't I don't have a I don't have a professorship role currently, but I've had that for nine years. Okay, um, and within that role, what advice did you give uh, the students within your class? Did you advise them to go directly into this field? Um, in which areas uh, did you suggest that they should get into? Because the field is forever changing. Yeah, you know, I I, I want to sort of we had this conversation uh, previously as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know. It, the field of pharmacy has has changed drastically over the last you know 15 20 years mm -hmm. um and and part of 
so so one of the questions that always begs is you know what do pharmacists do and we've sort of spoken about the different areas yes the other big question is you know is should should people should students who are in high school or in college look to go and join pharmacy right now and and and, and i think and i think the the question is absolutely but realize but in any career decision that one needs to make. One needs to make sure that you're weighing all the, you you understand the dynamics of a given career and all the different strengths and challenges that are faced. Mm-hmm. So, so the field of pharmacy, um, as rewarding as it is, and there's so many different aspects to it, um, some of the dynamics that have happened is there have been tremendous amount, there, the demand what used to be for pharmacists you know, 15 years ago has shifted. There's a lot less demand now. And part of the reason why is over the last 15 to 20 years, we had approximately 60 schools of pharmacy around the country. Today, we stand upwards at 140 schools of pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the supply for pharmacists has been very, very high and the, and the demand has, has dropped. There's an mm-hmm. entire paradigm shift to this. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the questions that gets asked is, you know, should I go into pharmacy? And the answer is yes, but uh, understand that the, these dynamics exist. Mm-hmm. And so, and and so, what used to be a lot, what used to be a very easy and a, and a very easy career path, and, and so on and so forth, uh, it, it really requires a deep commitment and understanding. What do you? What does one want to do in their life? What is sort of their their purpose? And 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 is someone willing to go through, uh, you know, given some of the challenges that that mm-hmm. And maybe that comes to the question of if someone is the breadwinner of the family, do you recommend that they go into this career um, directly within? If they do go into it, which which part should they go into? Yeah. So you know, the field of pharmacy. Um, so so you know, one. There's two big areas in the field of pharmacy. There is mm-hmm. what's called a pharmacy, a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. Within a pharmacist, you can be a, a, a community pharmacist, and you can be a clinical pharmacist, and 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 so on, and so forth. What what sort of we've highlighted. The other is you can be an assistant to a pharmacist, a pharmacy mm-hmm. technician. Yeah, and and, and so the, the 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 pharmacist technician, um, you know, the amount of education that they need. Uh, to do to do their job is 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 not as as uh, um, does not take as many years, for example. Okay. And 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 so, but but obviously, it, it, with with anything in life, if you don't if if you don't have the long investment, then sort of you know the the ultimate payout may not be as as high financially. And there are right. many other aspects of mm-hmm. sort of you know, rewards, but the financial aspect may not be there versus mm-hmm. from a pharmacist perspective, if you understand the challenges, understand the risks and say, you know, I, I want, I want to be a pharmacist because I, the, the opportunity is tremendous from impacting patients or helping do research, um, you know, and, and, and I, and I'm willing to take on all those challenges and, mm-hmm. and, and I want to do this, you know, f- you know, for, for the right reasons. Um, it, um, it's, it's, it's an area that certainly one, one can, one should consider, uh, you know, very, very highly. Um, and now before we go into the philosophy you used to teach your students, I wanted to ask one more question just about the application process. So how has it changed from, you know, when you applied and currently? Yeah. Um, you know, so, so I was just looking at, for example, the, uh, 
the SAT requirement for the College of Pharmacy at Rutgers. And, 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 and one realizes that the SAT scores for, for students coming out are in the 1350, 1400. Right. Okay. And so it's, it's, it's very competitive, um, mm -hmm. you know, to get into these programs. Um, um, so so to, to be an effective pharmacy student, one needs to not only know how to, you know, have, have a, be, be able to study as a student, so go through a rigorous high school uh, as well as a college curriculum, because very few schools in, in the U.S., go straight into pharmacy. Pharmacy is a professional degree, just like medicine, just like law. So you, re in general, you need at least two years before you get into the field of pharmacy. During um, the undergrad. During the undergrad. Whereas like in medicine, you need four years and in law, you need, you need four years of undergrad mm -hmm. and then you can go in, you know, here, you know, at least two years. Um, but I, I'm of the mindset that, you know, that, you know, take, take your time in undergrad, do the four years and then consider pharmacy because it, it's, it, it helps with more maturity, academic maturity, professional, personal maturity to be able to tackle the rigor of, of the field of pharmacy. But that, that but I, I'm, I'm probably, I, I'm, 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 I'm not the, my, my, my opinion is not of the norm. You know, most will do a two years and then, and then go into the field of pharmacy. Mm -hmm. um, so, 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 so the application process requires having a rigorous academic program, as well as you know having the leadership skills um, and uh, extracurricular programs, uh, such that when you are faced, when you are studying for pharmacy, it gives you a better, a holistic picture of what it means to be a professional, mm -hmm. um, because you need not only do you need the skills of learning how to t study and take exams and do well and recall the information, but then the field of pharmacy requires you know, inter communication skills and interpersonal mm -hmm. skills, and and and, and those are are own, are usually gathered through you know you know extracurricular activities and holding yeah. leadership positions and, and and the kind. So the application is rigorous, um, but but it's um, but again it's it's it, it requires understanding. Um, is it something that one can commit to? Because mm -hmm. uh, sort of uh, I, like I, I feel a, a huge sense of fulfillment, but. Yeah. It, it, because you have that passion towards it as well. So, so that is that, that you know, and anything in life and sister Fatima, I've spoken to you and I, and I see your passion from, you know, from a journalism perspective as yes. well. You know, I, I think, I think in life really, you know, bringing that energy and the passion, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, 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 and it doesn't matter what aspect or, uh, to life it is, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 you know, having that is, is, is crucial. And so part of, as a, as a, as a high school student or as a college student, you know, you know, really exploring different um, activities mm -hmm. uh, that can help one and, and, and getting advice and seeking out mentors, mm -hmm. uh, you know, experiencing different aspects can really help with figuring out uh, where, where, where one's passion is and sort of, and, mm -hmm. and um, yeah. And uh, Dr. Farouk is a great mentor. If anyone does want to reach out to him, just uh, send us an email at um, the mentor email and we will get you in, in contact with him as well. Um, Dr. Farouk, so going into a little bit um, deeper in this mind, body and soul um, teaching that you teach your students, um, this goes hand in hand with Islam as well. So I wanted to bring that up. Can you tell us uh, more about this and what this philosophy entails? Sure. So I'll take it from a science perspective, and then I'll 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 yeah. One of the things that you know, I, I in in my sort of 
teachings with, with students and the like and all my research, you know, there, there was this idea in, 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 in the literature that, that was saying, you know, to, it, cancer is a challenging, it's, it's 400 plus different diseases. Mm-hmm. And so, so in order to get the cure for cancer, like t- around 10 or 15 kinds of cancers currently have cures and, and inshallah more, we'll, we'll, we'll have more cures as we go down. But right now, so, so, so a small number. And, and, and so there was this, this ideology or buildup from a science perspective that sort of says, in order for a patient to get the cure for cancer, what are the three aspects that are needed uh, for, for a patient to get for cures for cancer? So, so one is this, I would draw a triangle and say, you know, writing cure for cancer. And, and so on the left side of that triangle, you know, it's, it's the excellence in medical care. So, 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 you know, uh, great hospitals, great doctors, great research, great, great therapies, um, great support, um, you know, will all, can all help in terms of, you know, getting the cure for cancer. The other is the desire for the patient to get better and, and sort of the, the, the help from the family. So one of the things that has happened in, in the medical literature, sort of the idea uh, around what, around spirituality as the third arm to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, so it, in order to get the cure from an illness perspective, you really need the excellence in care, you need the desire, and, and you need that, the spirituality. And I wish I could sort of tell you, share some of that data, some of the studies, but from a time perspective, it, 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 would, it, would, it will not, I will not be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so so it, it is this entire sort of holistic manner Okay. Over the last sort of 10 years or so, uh, as I started seeing some of that data and I started saying to myself, so this model of excellence and desire and spirituality can really be applied to all our aspects in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, 10 years ago or so, I, I sort of, I went for my first Ziyarah trip to Imam al-Hussein, alayhi salam. And, and during that time, Sort of, it was a huge reflection where I was asking myself a, a, a series of questions, saying, you know, we are here in Karbala, we are in Bainul Haramain, overlooking, and, and, and so what are the greatest treasures known to mankind? Mm-hmm. And, and very quickly, you begin to realize that it's that it's the hadith that was shared to us by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, of, of the two weighty things, the Quran and the Ahlul Bayt, alayhi salam, and 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 you begin to realize that that if, if these are the two greatest treasures known to mankind, how many are aware about these treasures on a spiritual plane? And you begin to realize that, you know, the Muslim population is like 1.5 billion, but, but, the, but, the, but less than even 100 million or 150 million are exposed to, to this idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 and so it then led to a series of questions to say, who are, so who are the best spiritualists in the universe? And it really leads to the, the Holy Prophet and the Ahlul Bayt and, and, and so then I started going down this road of saying, okay, so if, if science is telling us this, you know, Islamically we're telling us this, how are we living our lives today? And I did my own assessment. Mm-hmm. And, and my own assessment was, okay, so I've, done, I've gone down the road of a formalized, systematic approach to my, my mind, my career, right? pharmacy and the like. 
I, I've also, I used to be an active, uh, a, a, a competitive uh, tennis player and I played competitive. So I've, I've learned how to, you know, ensure that I eat an appropriate diet and be healthy and sort of from a body perspective. Mm -hmm. and, and, but how many of us go down the road of having a formalized systematic approach, uh, methodical approach to our soul? And in reality, you begin to realize we relegate our soul to an unformalized, unstructured approach. Mm. Um, and, and, I, and I think as, as a human race and, and, and as a community, I think we're, 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 made a mis we're making a mistake. We're living our lives on a physical plane. Mm. And, and we're, we're, not, we're ignoring the metaphysical. Um, and, and, and why this is all important is because, you know, learning about patience and learning about compassion and respect and love and tolerance, you, you want to learn this from the best of the best. Um, and the best of the best are, is the Holy Prophet and the Ahlulbayt. Um, and, and so, so, so yeah, I, I, think, I think we really need to sort of reassess as, as a community, um, you know, are we approaching our soul in a formalized, structured manner without necessarily having to be a, a sort of scholars per se, to, so that we can live more holistic living. So this takes me to the question of um, when you speak about uh, mind, body, and soul, you speak of the, about the mind as being the uh, work that you do, correct? Your career and body being the activities that you do through your body in order to um, be healthier or whatever it is that you want to achieve. And the soul being the religious aspect. Within Islam, we have that structured approach to, um, you know, being practicing Muslims. So for example, our prayer, our fasting. Um, all of, so does this go hand in hand? And what do you mean when you say that we aren't doing that in the way that you think it should be done within um, as a community? Jazakallah, it's, a, it's an excellent question. Um, so you know, this leads me to uh, uh, the well-known surah in, in the Quran, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, by time, indeed, man is in loss, except those who believe, those who do good, those who are patient, and those who enjoy truth. Mm -hmm. When I say we're not approaching sort of our spirituality in a formalized, systematic, structured manner, we, we go and we go after education, knowledge, and information from our mind and our body perspective. Okay. But the most important thing we can be doing in our lives more than being a dad and a professional and a husband and and, 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 and a brother and, and so on and so forth is going after godly knowledge. Mm -hmm. And what, what has happened is we have relegated our seeking of, 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 of knowledge, of, of, of godly knowledge through Muharram events and Ramadan. We've compartmentalized our approach. Mm -hmm. And, and so when, when I, when, so in my work as a scientist, I, I have come across addiction in Muslim communities. I lecture on addiction, for example, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, 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 within, within, for families and communities and so on and so forth, you, you begin to realize that the divorce rates are very, very high, for example. Correct. Right? And, and, and so when you see, begin to see the challenges that are faced from a human race and even within our own country, even within us today, leadership wise or, or across the globe. And you begin to ask the question, we're seeing so many challenges and it, it, it feels like these are really difficult and unprecedented times. So what, what is, what's, what are some gaps that we can sort of explain as to why this might be happening and are there solutions? Mm 
In my humble opinion, I think it's the lack of godly knowledge in a formalized, structured manner, right? From from godly individuals. Now, mm -hmm. these are very, very loaded sentences, right? So, godly knowledge and godly individuals. So, you know, you know, so like a godly. So, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the Ahlul Bayt are godly individuals. So who are godly individuals today? Right? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a conversation in and of itself. It's a huge conversation to be had. Mm -hmm. but, but the idea is going after godly knowledge from godly individuals. And I think we're, we've relegated ourselves to a secular mindset. Mm -hmm. right? the, and and, and I, think, I think the secular mindset is, is where we continue to cha be challenged. And in the secular mindset, we find lots and lots of fragmentation that have mm -hmm. existed. And so I think one way to unify is through is through a, sort of a, a shift in, in in a mindset of promoting God consciousness. So when you say secular mindset, um, speaking about um, in terms of business or work, how can you apply this mindset? Because it is, I mean, when you when you go into um, a work field, it is the secular model because we are in within this Western society. So what is how can you um, make that approach and change within your mindset within your work? So, um, like, so, so, so today, for example, mm -hmm. yeah, I had the, um, you know, you, you all reached out to me and said, mm -hmm. can, you, can we have a conversation, right? So a secular mindset would be, I, yes, I would love to have this conversation and I would like to do it so that I get known more or I get, I, I, you know, I get notoriety, for example, mm -hmm. versus, versus if I had a mindset, I, I'm doing this so that I, I'm sharing my information, my knowledge, with others and I'm having a conversation and I'm doing this to gain God's pleasure. Mm -hmm. So it begins with the intention, mm -hmm. but in order to have a godly intention, you have to have knowledge. So the secular mindset stems with, you know, having an intention that's anything but godly. And, and there's nothing wrong with uh, secularism. It's, it's when it's, it's when it's removed from, the, the higher power and, and, the, and the constant connection is where the challenge becomes. Because it becomes because I, selfish. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. We've come, unfortunately, to the end of our show. So, Dr. Frick, thank you so much. But um, before we completely end, what is your final piece of advice for our listeners today? You know, um, so we started off by talking about career. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and sort of suggestions or ideas is anyone that wants to go after any career, you know, start off from a, start off with asking yourself, what's my purpose um, with, with, with a career? Do I, is it because of money, fame, or, or do I, you know, you know, can I have sort of a, a, a godly purpose? So that's one piece. And, and, and this is not easy, like for an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, it's not an easy, you know, thing to think through. So it really requires finding mentors and, 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 and that kind of stuff. So that's one thing. The other is whatever you decide to do, um, you know, take the time to weigh the pros and the cons, um, because a lot of times we'll go to get a career because, you know, our parents say so, or our older siblings say so, and, and so on and so forth. Right. So, so, so take that time. And the way to take that time is through volunteering and, 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 and community service and, 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 and to be able to understand, uh, you know, these different aspects and, and, and obviously constantly, uh, you know, you know, 
you know, ask a lot for help, but at the same time, you know, working with, uh, with, with mentors within the community and outside the community would also be, you know, could, could lend to, uh, some, some really fruitful, uh, thinking patterns. Thank you so much um, for all of your insight today and for taking us, us through your journey through the mind, body, and soul um, teaching. Um, I'm sure that a lot of people have learned a lot. We have one question, actually, um, before we end, and the question is from Sakna Nakvi. Um, she said, Salams, Jasakallah, for the talk. After listening to your show today, um, I, if someone wants to start working on soul, what should be our first step? And we'll end with that. Okay. Um uh, thank you, Sister Sakina, for your question. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think in today's time, we have several different platforms that can help us from a, from, from, from a spiritual aspect. Mm -hmm. So over the last 10 years, I have joined online Islamic courses. My, myself, my family, my, my wife, and my two boys. And, and, and it, it doesn't take a lot of time. It, it's almost like 30 minutes a day. You know, four hours a week, for example, um, and, and and so, for example, one platform that 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 I have been very highly engaged with, and it's a very unique platform, is called Kothar Learning Circle, you know, um, and and you can find it online by by typing kothar.org, and, and and they have an entire that almost three hundred plus people around the world t taking time to learn about spirituality in a very methodical, systematic manner. Another, for example, is is a, a different platform called islamic-literacy.org by Sheikh Rizwana Rasul. The first one is by, by Sheikh Muhammad Ali Shamali. The second one is uh, by Sheikh Rizwana Rasul, islamic-literacy.org. Um, and, 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 and there's a third, uh, uh, Academy of Learning Islam in Toronto by Sheikh Hassanin Kasimali. So there are varied platforms. And these are just three that I, that I am you know, personally aware with, but there are others. So taking the time to walk through this can really help and not just relegating yourself to, you know, Ramadan and Muharram. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Farukhandali, for all of your insight today. Can, can I also just say thank you? Thank you for the Umoja platform. You know, you know, not only is it through the, the, the not only is it, is it through the the, the, so, the soccer medium, which my family and I were very active with playing soccer, mm -hmm. but also this entire outreach program, including the You Mentor Talk. Uh, Sister Fatima, thank you for all your time and dedication in 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 bringing all this information to the community and to be able to raise the uh, to and, and share all this insight. So, uh, thank you to to your to yourself and the entire board and and all the members at Omoja. Thank you so much, and it it was our pleasure um, having you today. And I think uh, I'm so happy that you shared uh, your philosophy and everything with us because it's uh, it's really something that we don't really think about. So I'm glad that we got the honor of doing that, doing so. Zakala, thank you so much. You were just listening to the UMentor talk show. If you missed this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the UMentor website under prior talk shows. And while you're there, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast so you never wish miss another show. And also you can um, subscribe to SoundCloud. Did you know that we've switched over to YouTube Live? Please tune in every week on YouTube to hear all of our future shows and some exclusive announcements. If you have any questions for our speakers, Reach out to us at mentor at emojioutreach.org and we'll get feedback from our speaker for you. Make sure to tune in next week at 3 p.m. to hear from our next guest, Sara Najdi. Sara Najdi is a materials engineering student and she has a strong interest in practical applications of solid 
solid-state chemistry that can be used to solve today's global challenges. It will be interesting to hear from her what that actually really means. Please tune in August 22nd at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube Live.